Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that has two main characters. I'm James. I'm Dan, the secondary character. Equal, equal billing, mm-hmm. I, I, I always thought. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good to know. This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We have some real news, and our main review is Eternals. Not The Eternals. Glad that you got yeah, that right. I, I have noticed you saying The Eternals a few times. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I did as well until I realised it. It's just Eternals. Didn't have the decency to correct me, though, did you? Until now, when we're on air, when we're recording in front of everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How are you, Daniel? I'm all right. I had one of those weekends, though, this past weekend, where, you know, when it's wet and rainy and you think, what can we do? I don't really want to stay indoors, but what can I actually do? And I said, I said, why don't we go to the Trafford Centre? Now, you've mentioned to me you've been to the Trafford Centre quite a few times, so I'm going to ask you a question after this. But I bloody hate that place, and we have been enough times to say, let's never go again. So we've avoided it for two years, and I suggested this. And she said, why would why would we do that? We know we're going to get there, we're going to hate it, and we're going to regret it. And I said, well, there is nothing else. Come on. And it has been a while. Maybe things will have changed. Parked up, got out, got in. Within two minutes, I went, why have we done this? Why have we done this? It was overcrowded, couldn't get in anywhere. The, the main like salvaging part of this was we can have a meal when we're there, but everywhere was packed. There were queues out the doors. My question to you, James, is what is the appeal? The appeal is that you can go on a walk, but indoors. It's like an all-weather walking course. Now, if you go on Saturday afternoon, especially now, it is a nightmare and it's packed and definitely avoid it. But if I ever go... It's really close to me, but we go on the weekday evenings when it's not that bad and you can just have a bit of a walk around and a casual browse in the mostly empty shops in any weather at any time. So that's that's the appeal for us. And it is closer, which I think makes a difference. It feels like less of a commitment and a day out. See, that 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 does make sense. And I suppose subconsciously that was my reason for going was let's get our steps in. And we certainly did that. So, yeah, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the Trafford Centre is a shopping mall in Manchester, so and a big one. Yeah. One of the largest in Europe. So that was my boring story for the week. Shall we get to why everyone actually listens? Yes, let's go straight in. Daniel, what have you been watching? I watched Close to Me. Have you heard of this? I haven't, no. No. Aired a month ago, I think, in the US, and it's just made its way to Channel 4, and it's the tonally confusing, weirdly acted, bizarrely written, batshit crazy drama that they're showing at the minute. The premise is you've got a married mother who is played by Connie Nielsen. This is a British drama as well, so I'm surprised to see her here. And opening scene, she's at the bottom of a flight of stairs with blood pooling around her head. Then she wakes up in a hospital and she's no idea what's happened. But not just in terms of how she ended up at the bottom of the stairs, but what's happened in the last 12 months? I don't have a clue because I've lost my memory. And I watched this opening episode with such unbelievable bafflement because I couldn't comprehend what was unfolding before my very eyes and ears. 
so much so that I did something I very rarely do. And I started to look at some critic reviews because I thought, am I, am I going mad here? Because this show is just so odd in ways that I don't think I can really put into words, but I'll try. The, the dialogue in it is unnatural to the point where I laughed out loud more than I have watching the entire three seasons of Sex Education. And the performances on top of that are just all TT to the extreme. Christopher Eccleston and Connie Nielsen, two husband and wife duo in this, good actors, but they are on bad form in this. I don't know if it's the direction or what. It was just like, what is, is this amateur dramatics? It's weird. It had a sort of like, the room type effect on me, you know, the Tommy Wiseau 2003 film. Um, as I say, I'm not on my own. Other reviews have said that it borders on being so bad that it's good. And, you know, I was glad to have my feelings confirmed, <laughs> but there was something about it that just kept me watching. And I rinsed all six episodes in less than two days. And I guiltily enjoyed every single minute of it at the time. And that's despite the fact that at least once per episode, I would turn to my partner and go, what the actual, f- what is what is going on with this? It's, it's all over the show. I just don't know how anybody thinks that people talk or react to things like this in this manner. It's just so strange. It fails on so many levels, but as I say, it strangely held my attention. So, yeah. Uh, I guess I can summarise it by saying in the first episode, this is a down to earth grounded reality drama but the end of the first episode there is a scene where a crowd of people gather at a beach with the police all amongst them because a bunch of mermaids have washed ashore that was such a strange combination of words just just the sentence structure oh no 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 not you not like nothing that you've done wrong it was just i was not expecting to hear those words said yeah and it in fact The enjoyment of this doesn't come from the plot and what develops, so I'm going to say something now. The plot twist is everything you suspected had happened has happened, but the manner in which it transpired was slightly different, okay? Okay, yep. So it's a complete waste of time. (laughs) But I loved it. (laughs) But you loved it. Did you actually love it? I did, but just for the weird enjoyment that I got out of how crazy it was. So that's close to me, and is it where is it available in the UK? On Channel 4 or 4 OD, if you don't know what terrestrial television is. Okay. What else have you been watching? On the flip side of that being quite poor but enjoyable, we've got another drama, the BBC show, Show Trial, which I think I've heard is from the makers of Line of Duty, and it's about the murder of a, a murder again, eh? Who'd have thunk it? Uh, of a teenager. She's from a working class background, but the key suspects in this murder, again, they're teenagers, but they come from very high profile, wealthy families. And because of that, it goes into themes such as class and how does that weigh into people's perception of others? Can it taint the direction of an investigation even? I'm I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to watch to find out. At the centre of it, one of the key suspects, it's a girl named Talitha. She's played by Celine Buckins. I haven't seen her in anything before. She is so downright entitled and abrasive from the off that you really want her to just rock in a jail cell, regardless of whether she's guilty or not, because she's just such a piece of work. And I just enjoyed this show because it is familiar enough 
it's my wheelhouse, it's murder, but the execution of it felt very different and against the grain of what you'd normally see with this type of thing. And I think that's mostly in part down to the way it's structured because you've got the murder investigation, basically from every angle, you've got the police, the prosecution and how they formulate their case, the defence, the media, the suspects and what's going on with them, the victim, it literally covers everything. And it does it in like a three-act structure where you've got first two episodes, we're in a police station and it's just an endless interrogation. Second is the detectives are trying to just rip apart alibis and doing some boots on the ground work. And the third is it's just a nice little courtroom drama to, to end off with. So I just thought this was very interesting. As much as I hated that central character, by the end, without revealing too much, I didn't quite hate her. So this is on Sunday nights on BBC, isn't it? Yes, but it's now available to binge in its entirety. Yeah, it's the new BBC Sunday night drama. And five episodes, so quite an easy thing to rinse through. I'd seen some middling reviews, but you've just, the way you've described the structure of each episode, how it, each episode is like focusing on one thing, like an interrogation or a trial, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm more intrigued now because of what you've said. It's, it doesn't feel generic to me and i think i saw i haven't read any reviews on this but i did as i always do go on imdb and it started off first week it was released 6.2 it's now up to i believe 7.6 so i think the more it went along the better it got anything else daniel final one which isn't so much a review as it is a tease because i know you've done that in the past and you know let's build up anticipation for the audience we mentioned last week with the top 100 shows of the 21st century not of all time lesson learned succession was in there and i said i'm going to make it my mission to watch this i have done and i am kicking myself that i am so late to this party it is unbelievable to the point where i've had four nights where i have not slept in a row and last night i went go to bed early and just watch one episode of succession and i watched five in a row and went to bed at half three because I could not stop. So <laughs> it is addictive. It is amazingly written and I'll discuss it more next week. But yeah, what what have we been doing, James? You need to get on this now. Okay, I'll get on it. I hadn't even heard of it until the last award season when it was nominated for loads of stuff. It's it's up there with the thick of it. I would, I would argue that it's even better. Wow, so, okay. Bold claims. Anyway, enough about me. James, what have you been watching this week? First up, Finch on Apple TV, starring Tom Hanks. You've braved it. Okay, I'm interested. Is that, is, have you heard bad things about it? I've heard a, a mix, but more often than not, it's been bad. So, Yeah, I, well, I'll come straight out with it. I think the mixed reviews are fair. So Finch is about Tom Hanks living in a post-apocalyptic world, some kind of climate disaster has happened there's very few humans left in the world and he builds a robot to keep him company and to take care of his dog and they decide this is getting really stormy where we are let's leave and go somewhere else and it's about their road trip across america oh they're actually in australia so australia doubles nicely as a barren america but their road trip across america where they encounter mild threat mild threat whether uh, some slight arguments between Tom Hanks and the robot 
before it reaches its conclusion, which it telegraphs fairly clearly in the in the opening. It basically tells you where it's going in the start, and then the rest of the film is is a build up to it. It's a soft and squishy, feel good film. It's trying to go for that kind of Wally type thing where you really love the robot. They bet everything on you liking the robot on the dog. If you're not on board with the robot on the dog, it's, it's like a humanoid robot that well, it doesn't have a humanoid face, but it's a robot with a voice and the voice gets more intelligent and more personality as the film goes on. You need to buy into the relationship between Tom Hanks and the robot on the dog. And if you're not going, oh, this is so sweet. Oh, I'm so moved. It doesn't work. And when we were watching it, we just weren't that invested in what was going on. There was a moment in that the last 20 minutes where it's it's building towards the inevitable and it's this huge moment. And we both just picked up our phones in, in perfect sync with each other and just both lost interest at exactly the same moment. And then later that evening, I said to my wife, My wife. So what did you think of that film that we've just watched? And she went, what film? <laughs> She'd forgotten about it. I love Tom Hanks. I think, yeah, he he can carry a film, but it's just not quite there. They bet everything on this robot, and it it didn't quite get there for me. Maybe I had too high expectations because I like a bit of post-apocalyptic drama, but it's not it's not a dark approach to it. So, don't expect it to be a very seri- overly serious film. Just take it with a finch of salt. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, don't, I don't quite think it works, to be honest. A few questions on that one. When you were describing it, and I have heard another podcast describe it, and I've not nicked this from anything because no one said it, but it, it just screamed to me, news of the world again, but instead of a girl, it's a robot. It is. That's amazing. It really is, yeah. Right. It's, okay. it's that. It's, it is news of the world, but with a robot. Where someone, someone has said, Tom Hanks can carry a film if it's just him in a in a horse and cart or in a van. <laughs> Which is the better film? You like News of the World, didn't you? I like News of the World. News of the World, I think, was better. But I think that's down to was it Paul Greengrass? His his direction and just the the overall tone, the look of it, it's a western. It did more for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've also heard this voice of the robot is quite reminiscent of Borat is it yes it is yeah he has that eastern european near east accent at the start which is odd mm. but like you said it, it evolves over time so it's, you don't stick with that throughout the entire duration do you i think they do the way it evolves is that he's just able to form sentences much quicker and he doesn't have the sort of glitchy voice by the end okay another middling entry into the apple tv service they really are not doing well what else have you been watching this week arcane league of legends on netflix if you told me that a league of legends adaptation was going to be the best thing of the week i would have said you have lost your mind but here we are this has got 9.4 out of 10 in imdb after fifteen thousand ratings granted i think that's a lot of league of legends fans going mental over it because it's their game brought to life i know nothing about league of legends i've seen one famous video of the ending of of a tournament it's a top down 5v5 game 
one of the most popular games in the world. Never played it, don't know anything. And Arcane is about the origins of a number of League of Legends champions. I don't know what that means. So I'm coming into this knowing nothing. What is it actually about? It is set in a city that's divided into two sections. The utopian Piltover and the oppressed underground of Zorn. So there's a, a class dynamic going on there. Piltover is pristine land of high education and nice houses, clean clothes, sunlight. Zorn is literally underground. It's a dirty, squalid place where people scrounge around for a living. And we follow two sisters who have no mother. They've been adopted adopted by this man and these two sisters are just trying to survive in this world maybe going into the utopian piltover to steal some stuff and then sell it life is not easy and also in piltover you've got a guy who's trying to research magic he's trying to make like scientific magic and he's coming up against the high council of piltover and they don't want him to make magic because magic's banned and magic's bad it's been described as a fantasy steampunk series. Are you familiar with steampunk? Yeah, it's like the... Struggling for an example. Is it like a Blade Runner-esque type thing? Or cyberpunk? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like an alternate future in which steam was the driving force behind development instead of fossil fuels. I wouldn't call myself a fan of steampunk, but I will say it's the healthiest way to prepare punk. it's an animated series this is the best animation i've seen in a very long time it's unbelievable it's a style that i've never seen before it's 3d computer animated but it's not the crap 3d computer animated anime it looks like it's a moving painting oh interesting but it's still 3d and sometimes you you don't even know whether you're watching like a rotoscoped animation or 3D or CGI or just a painting that's been stretched a little bit because every frame you could take it and have it as a desktop background. It's beautiful. It's genuinely, unironically beautiful to look at. I can't imagine it in my head thinking back. You have to see it to believe it. It's unbelievable. It's from a French studio that has done some short videos for League of Legends, and now they've made a, a, this series, and it's kind of a big deal that they're doing it because people love these short videos. The world building is fantastic. You completely believe in the history and the lore and the backgrounds of the characters, their motivations, the relationship between the upper city and the lower city is completely believable. Each city has its own culture and the way the characters behave. The way they interact with each other is good. All the relationships all make sense. There's nice twists. The action is exciting. Even the music's good. The voice acting is no joke. They've got Hayley Steinfeld in it, the famous person. I can't remember what else she's been in. From, I know her from Pitch Perfect, Bumblebee, and I think I really like her music. Yeah. And she's in True Grit as well. So she's in it. She's kind of a big deal. 
I can't recommend this enough. It had it has League of Legends in the title, which made me think, oh, I don't think I can really watch this because mm. this is based on a, on a game that I haven't played. But it's unbelievable. You preempted my question by saying what the animation style was like, which was unlike nothing you've ever seen before. So I was just going to say, what's it similar to? But you can't you can't give me anything, I guess. Were it not for looking at my phone just before we hit record on this podcast, I would have never heard of this before. We've already discussed Google reading our thoughts and minds. I just had a news article pop up saying that this has just knocked Squid Game off the top spot uh, for Netflix's uh, most watch chart and has debuted at number one in 37 countries. So obviously a lot of people are loving this. That's probably, yeah, that is quick. Because wasn't that a really huge number that made Squid Game the number one? And now this is number one. Yeah, that's good. That, I think that's the power of League of Legends. It's because that is it's a huge, huge game. Honestly, your your enthusiasm for that has made me think I am checking that out without a doubt. So, yeah, excited to see that. And I went in with no expectations. I only watched it because I had to watch, well, I had to watch something. Deciding factor for most... How many episodes and what is the length of each? There are nine episodes, about 45 minutes each, and they're releasing three episodes each week. So by the time you listen to this, there'll be six episodes available to watch. Oh, very good. Anything else that you've been watching? No, that's all. Shall we talk some real news? Let's do it. It's the real thing. It is now... Real, real news, news. One of our favourite topics, Vin Diesel, according to the BBC and many other outlets. Fast and Furious, Vin Diesel asks The Rock to return. Vin Diesel posted to Instagram asking his, quote, little brother Dwayne to come back to the franchise via an Instagram post. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. I say this out of love. You must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Just going to throw it out there. Do you think Vin Diesel's a bit of a prick? Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. There's, there's a part of this that I, I think is a little bit, a bit dirty. He said, I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. Pablo means Paul Walker. Mm. So he's he's invoking the memory of Paul Walker to try and get The Rock to come back. So what, what do you think about this Instagram post? I think it's a completely pointless effort. I don't think he's going to get anywhere with it because he's, just for me saying, little brother Dwayne, he's already insulted him. He's already started off on a bad note. He shit-talked him recently, as recent as maybe three weeks ago. You've not got a cat and L's chance of getting him back. He's done with you. And why? This, I mean, that message just reeks. You're you're a nightmare to work with. You're you're a knob. So he's he's not coming back. I think this is going nowhere. Fully agree. Fully agree. I think The Rock has already surpassed the franchise. I think he joined it in maybe 2014-ish. And in those seven years, The Rock has just gone from strength to strength. And Fast and Furious needs The Rock. The Rock doesn't need Fast and Furious. No. Whereas Vin Diesel just has this. This is all he has. 
Yeah, so. the Bloodshot expanded universe didn't go anywhere. <laughs> no, and whatever happened to that Chronicles of Riddick sequel? I can't. Do you know what? I can't even remember what the original film was called. What was it called? That, Pitch Black. That was it. Yeah, that died to death as well, didn't it? Anyway, you're wasting your characters. Yep, that's better. That's better. Yeah, let's go with that. Wasting your gas diesel. Oh, that's weird. Um, any other news? Difficult to discuss on a podcast because it's about two photographs and we're not in a visual medium. And also, I don't want to say what's in the photographs because it is a spoiler, but have you seen that there's been a potential massive leak about the next Spider-Man film that shows something pretty, pretty spectacular, pretty life-changing in a in a what is of what appears to be a picture of a screening of the next spider-man film this is news to me i've not heard anything about this so there is a there is there's two images but we'll think about just one of them there is an image that shows there's no way to say this without spoiling what's in the image it's an image of, of three men and it was deleted immediately after it was posted. And the tweeter, John Campier, he then deleted loads of other tweets about the post. And he said afterwards that he had a phone call from someone where he had to explain that he thought the pictures were fake. And the person making the phone call then said, oh, that's fine. Welcome. And all that just makes it sound like these pictures are real. Yeah. Welcome to vague news. <laughs> I'm only yeah. joking. Mm. I, d- I didn't think I'd heard anything about this, but I might have just glossed over something. Is this a visual confirmation of something that we actually have already been kind of promised? Yes, it's it's a visual confirmation of something that we all know is coming. We all know, we all know it's going to happen, but it's been it's it's being denied for now. Is it that bad to mention it on the podcast then, when pretty much everyone knows? Should we just say no, it? No, I'll just say it. So it's a picture of Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield all in the Spider-Man outfits and they've all got their masks in their hands and it's a really convincing image. The lighting is perfect. They're all lit from the same direction. It looks like it's a picture of, of a screening. So it's the three Spider-Men together in a scene. Like we've just said, we all but no. Why did I it? What are they going to yeah. get out of it? People, people are hyped for it based on this. So you might as well just say, yeah, that is what we're doing. But I get it. It's the, the element of fake surprise that they want to maintain. Fair enough, yeah. you do that. The conspiracy theorist in me thinks that this is a covert leak by Sony and Disney to, number one, hype the Spider-Man film, but also distract from the disaster of Eternals. Could well be and would make complete sense. I'm going to shove my tin hat on and join you. I think you're right, James. The timing's interesting as well because Tom Holland is doing interviews about Spider-Man and in the total film interview that was released this week, he said, I don't know how many times I need to say this, but no, they're not going to be in it. It's just me. So he's flat out denying it. And again, conspiracy theorists, there's a, there may be a concern that people believe him and start to lose the hype. And now they're putting this out to say, oh no, they actually are. And also forget about Eternals. Well, we don't have that long to wait now, do we? Matter of weeks, is it? Matter of weeks, four or five weeks. And I'm sure that will feature 
as one of our main reviews because we just can't escape the Marvel Cinematic Universe, can we? Nope. Speaking of the film that Marvel already wants us to forget, shall we review it now? Yes. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Promise it back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Eternals. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. From Nomadland to Did Not Land, Chloe Zhao directs the next cinematic entry of Marvel's latest phase. In a genius subversion of expectations, somebody decided to drop a the from its title. Yes, that's right. It's the sorry, Eternals, a film title that cleverly nods to the criminal runtime as much as the group of heroes themselves. As for the heroes, the film is full to the brim with fresh and interesting, never-before-seen-on-the-screen characters, such as Superman, sorry, Icarus, and The Flash. No, wait, Makari. In this need-for-a-coffee-inducing story of love, loss, and betrayal, we're left with many thought-provoking questions, such as why does Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie refuse to age? More so, how do they do it? And, more importantly... Is it really possible that Irish and Scottish accents existed in 5000 BC? Amazing. Or the Eternals, a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have secretly lived on Earth for thousands of years, reunite to battle evil deviants. But not of the sexual sort. James, what did you think of Eternals? I'm a lapsed MCU fan. My interest has gone lower and lower with each release since Endgame. The plot is actually quite simple. Wants to do the reveal of the true missions of the Eternals and it builds to a climax where it's clear who's doing what and why. However, it's a miracle that they've made a two and a half hour mess out of something that is pretty simple. I thought it would never end. I cannot remember wanting a film to end this badly. Even when the big action finally came in the last 30 minutes, I was not excited. I was not prepared for that action to to redeem everything. It stops and starts. There's a flashback, meet a new character, flashback for them, meet someone else. Action scene, the deviants are here. Now let's stand around having a chat, slow pan as the 10 characters walk across a barren landscape. Eternals seems to take itself half seriously with its ideas about human evolution and progress and because of that have to point to 2001 a space odyssey as a better exploration of that idea as a get the team together to fight evil action film it's actually worse than justice league so it fails on these big ideas and the spectacle the landscapes all the landscapes the cinematography this is a film about humanity that seems to take place in a barren world. So yes, they've composed some nice shots, but 
it's all flat and empty. Compare it to something like Shang-Chi, where they're in a world that's full of life and full of people. The action is forgettable. I'm not going to go through the whole cast because it's a pretty big cast. I'll just highlight two. The main character is Cersei, Gemma Chan. No personality, no development, no emotion, hardly. What happened here? What was Gemma Chan being told by Academy Award-winning director Chloe Zhao? Richard Madden, Icarus, he made me feel represented on screen, and I liked that, but really he's just a gloomy flannel. I think this film breaks the MCU. It's a mistake, and it shouldn't exist. And I have more to say in spoilers. Daniel, what did you think of Eternals? I fear that had we been marked by an exam board, we might be accused of plagiarism because there's a lot of crossover, especially about the specific point on barren landscapes. But hey-ho, let's go for it. So another entry point of sorts into the MCU. So if you fancy getting on board, this is your chance. Although... I'm guessing if you haven't bothered for the last 20-odd films, it's probably not your thing, and I don't think this will change your mind. It is mercifully forgiving to the audience in that, aside from three or four not-so-important references to the wider, wider universe, you can watch this as a standalone film. But should you really bother? We'll get there. James has covered it. It's, spoilers, No. <laughs> This is essentially another ensemble superhero film and I've mentioned it before and I think I've then contradicted myself by liking a superhero film after I said I'd got superhero fatigue but The Avengers, Justice League and more recently Suicide Squad. Is this something I really want to go through again? No. It starts interesting enough with some time hopping from the Eternals back in the glory days, being generally badass in an opening fight sequence, which actually isn't badass. We then move forward to present-day London. Another action scene happens. Then we go to another point in history. Then we're back to the present day, but we're off to another country, or maybe we're in a different planet. It's hard to keep track of. Surely only if you care to keep track of it in the first place, that is. And, and they use that time and time again. So there's, there's not a very linear structure to the story, and I'll, I'll be clear on it. I, it's not a method of storytelling that I'm adverse to, but about 30 minutes in, I thought, there is a cleaner way of telling this story that would have been more effective. And at one point, we see the Eternals in some time before Christ, and they agree to go the separate ways, slight spoiler, and I nipped to the toilet, and I came back, and the next thing that I know... Kamel Nanjari is doing some Bollywood dance routine and I thought I'd walked into the wrong film. I hadn't. Um, even if I ignore that particular moment and it, that was my fault, I'm not saying I was constantly confused, but in general, it just felt a bit, no, more than a bit scrambled and all over the place. <laughs> a lot has been said about this film in terms of it taking a left turn and not being your typical Marvel film. That's not necessarily a bad thing and I can see that but it doesn't feel completely alien to me. There's enough ingredients in there so that it does still feel like a Marvel film, but maybe this wasn't the film to do it with because for me, there's just not much to work with in terms of the plot. Like, 
this couldn't be further removed from something like Nomadland, which I liked and you hated. And you would you would hope so too, wouldn't you, really? But where it does share a similarity is that there is an absence of any real story here. There's a lot of padding in the form of words or references to things that I don't quite understand that make it sound very complex. But in reality, it couldn't be more of a basic bitch. And the other thing is, is yeah, you've said it, you've hit the nail on the head. For a film that's premises, the fate of the world rests in the hands of these gifted individuals and Earth specifically. It is just countless scenes of them in uninhabited landscapes and humankind is not present. Uh, you've got that London scene at the beginning, which is the only exception. So it lands completely flat. Due to the absence of plot, there is more going on in the sense that there's an attention paid to creating character moments. That's what they wanted from a director like this. And it is, it is well done. There's nice moments and th there's bits of humour and tenderness between characters. But overall, I just didn't care about any, any of it. And I think a large part of that is they were juggling too many. There was no origin stories to support this film. So they're just trying to shove everything in at once. And I feel like if they'd centred on just a few key people, it was would have had a bigger impact. You've mentioned the cast. There's too many to go through. It's a very culturally diverse cast. That's a good thing. But Angelina Jolie specifically, I was expecting more out of her. She's such an A-list star. I thought, did you only have three days available or something? Because you're hardly in this film. It's just very weird. At the end of the day, or film, it's just a very meandering and unrewarding experience. And it culminates in this really lacklustre, anticlimactic final act, which was the most action-packed, but still managed to not be interesting. This is the only positive thing that I will say, which is still not a positive. I am sounding very anti-Eternals here. And if you're getting that impression, it's because I didn't like it very much. Did, did you get that impression? But I, th I think, and I don't know why, people were gunning for this. I don't know what stars aligned for it to be that film. But for me, it's no more offensive than some of the weaker films that Marvel have brought out. It's just this has suffered the backlash and a battering. It still doesn't make it a good film that I'm saying that, but I just don't think it deserves the abuse that it's getting. Um, yeah. So, and, and this for me, it is the final straw. Like I'm, I'm done with these films for a while. It's like Kit Kats. Like I loved Kit Kats for years. And then all of a sudden I couldn't touch one without shivering. And I had a two-year break, and I, I love them again now. So maybe that's what I need to do with this genre. We had a similar thing with uh, Cadbury's Jerry Milk Fingers. You know the little chocolate fingers? Oh, yeah. We we were addicted to them for months, and we had to say, this has gone, this is, it's ha it has to stop. We need to take a break. We've never gone back. Who are you saying the negativity is coming from? Professional critics or the audiences? I'm, it's just through word of mouth at the minute. I'm just hearing a lot of people are hating on this film. And I, I tend to lean towards it's probably fans who haven't quite got what they wanted because this isn't your typical Marvel film. I know some critics have not liked it as well, but I feel like that's where it's most heated. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know how fans can get. Yeah. Some critics, 47% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think there were corners of the internet that were gunning for it to say that it was like a Captain Marvel style agenda driven piece of propaganda 
which it's not at all. I just think it is it's bad. It is bad. And yeah, the reaction is interesting. It's got 6.99 dB, 80% audience score of verified ratings from Fandango, which is owned by Disney, I think. Anyway, the reaction is interesting because I don't think there was that much interest for it. But then the reviews, the professional reviews were all negative. And I think what's happened is that people have watched it and gone, oh, it's not that bad. Their expectations mm. have been lowered and they've gone, actually, got enough laughs, got enough action. It was fine. Yeah. I think there's I think there's that, but then there's other there's other people that are more like us, I think, that have just said this doesn't work. Mm. Doesn't work. Yeah. I wanted to touch on another thing which has been highly discussed before we get to spoilers. What about that sex scene, eh? What about that sex scene? So me personally, I wasn't expecting full on TNA. Yeah. But this is essentially two people embracing horizontally as opposed to vertically. And we've seen that before in other films. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I don't get what they're on about. They're exaggerating this by calling it a sex scene. They are. They are. It's, it's more tame than the sex scene in Top Gun. Never seen Top Gun. Take my breath away. Yeah. That's such a good way of putting it. Did you have any? I've got one more generalized. Do point. I do have one more thing? I think trying to make it more grounded and Chloe Zhao documentary style was a mistake. I think the Eternals should have been presented as monumental godlike figures, like Superman in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Say what you want about Zack Snyder, but he makes his characters look and feel epic, mm. and that's what the Eternals should have looked like i think that's how they should have been presented but here superman is walking around in a t-shirt and jeans a comment La last thing which is is a continuation of things we've discussed previously and it's about the the evil entity in this which is the deviants we've said this numerous times but again this feels like from a design point of view and we can discuss a bit more in spoilers the deviants themselves it's just a hodgepodge of every monstrous creature that's featured in fantasy and sci-fi films over the last 10 years. So that felt unimaginative and, again, hard to really go into, but it is a personality-less, non-human thing. So why do I really care about the threat that you bring? It just wasn't... It didn't work for me. Fully agree, yeah. They were like the aliens in Edge of Tomorrow with... Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise. They're these amorphous creatures. But at least in Edge of Tomorrow, they have the temporal distortion around them that makes them a little bit more interesting. Here, it's just a CGI mess. It's a bit like a hybrid between that, Edge of Tomorrow, and what was the... Was it War Fall Tomorrow? The Chris Pratt thing? Oh, yeah, I don't... Um, the Tomorrow War. That was the one. That was it. Yeah, thank you. I would have accepted it if there were non-CG human actors in costumes. I know that you just cannot do that, but they've done, they did that with the scrolls in Captain Marvel, and I would have fully accepted that, especially given the twist that comes later on. Speaking of, should we get to twists of the spoiler variety? Yes, but what will not be a twist is our answer to the following question. Daniel, would you recommend Eternals? No. James, would you? 
No, I would not. And it feels like a huge weight off my shoulders to not recommend an MCU film. And I think it might be the, the first of many. It does feel oddly satisfying. But then we've we've still got to put ourselves through this at least another three times in the next five months, probably. Yeah. We'll, we'll pray for the best. You never know. Just this. hang on for X-Men and Fantastic Four. It's like three years, mate, isn't it? More. More. It's going to be more than that. The long time to wait. Right, without further ado, let's get to spoilers. Bruce Willis' real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Can you summarize the uh, events of Eternals? We've both said the simplistic. Well, the plot is simplistic, so it should be easy going. But I'll try. It's hard to summarize when. I didn't pay enough attention to what was going on to tell you because it was boring. <laughs> Ajax, is it Ajax? I don't know how you say it. Or Aj- I-, I, have the, I have the list of characters in front of me. Yeah, Ajax, Sama Hayek. Yes, she is the leader of the Eternals. And we come to find maybe at the halfway point of the film, she is dead. And what then transpires is that their mission from day dot when they're collaborated and formed this team, which was to rid the world of deviants, was actually not correct. It's not what they should have been doing because the... Have I got this right? The deviants have now morphed into something bigger than their original. You're missing the the key point. You're missing the key point, which is that the true mission of the Eternals, which is revealed around the halfway point, is that it's actually the Celestials plant eggs for new celestials inside planets and the celestial egg feeds off the intelligent life of a planet and then hatches in what's called an emergence. So the role of the Eternals is to ensure the success of the emergence of the new celestial, which necessarily involves wiping out all of human life, all of life on Earth. All you've done in the last 30 seconds is point out why I don't do this bit. (laughs) <laughs> okay with with Ajax dead Ajax knew about it all along and so did Richard Madden but he hides it until the end leadership passes to Cersei and she learns from Arishem I'll just call him God Cersei learns from God that that's the true mission so you know carry on thanks Cersei immediately tells all the other Eternals and then it becomes a chism between the Eternals that want to fill out their role they, and want they want the emergence to happen, kill all humans, that's what we're here to do, whatevs, and the more compassionate Eternals like Cersei who want to protect humans because they want to keep banging Jon Snow. Love that. Did you mention then, sorry, because I was I was Googling something that was really rude of me. Um, I was just preparing. Did you mention that Richard Madden kills Ajax? Oh, no, I didn't know. So, yeah, Richard Madden kills Ajax. So there's a murder mystery going on as well. And Richard Madden reveals, again, it's in, it's in a flashback where Richard Madden throws Ajax into a cave of deviance because he really does want to fulfil the mission. But by the end, for some reason, he's sorry about it and regrets yeah. it, it would seem. Yeah. So in, in the in the very end, the emergence almost takes place. 
there is an end of Evangelion style emergence of a huge planet sized figure who is the new Eternal. But the good guys win, and Cersei uses her magically increased powers to turn the new Eternal into marble or stone, just turns white. The emergence stops. Good guys win. Icarus, after having 5,000 years to think about it, now decides at the end, at the crucial moment, actually, this is not good. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Cries and flies into the sun. Oh, what an absolute epic, ridiculously long waste of time. I, I'm, I'm just going to level with you, James. I, I really don't care enough to say I have any comments on, on anything that you've just said. We've said what happened in spoilers. Before we mention post-credit sequences, do you have any general thoughts on what happens here? I do, actually, because I want to talk about how it breaks the MCU, and it shouldn't exist. So I believe that you cannot introduce an earth-shattering creation myth, which is the Celestials, into this series and just expect everyone to carry on as though it doesn't matter. And by everyone, I mean the audience and the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I can't watch Spider-Man and Doctor Strange now without thinking, what's the point? when the whole universe is basically a battery farm for the Celestials. It's too big to ignore. And how can the world go on, as in the characters in the world, how can they go on when their creation is revealed to be a big joke? Like This, this is earth-shattering revelations about the creation of humanity and you can't now just go oh now let's watch spider-man fight dr octopus that that those are very fair comments do you not think though that knowing marvel and how intricately they weave these things in that there will not be mention or explanation of this in the next doctor strange film or even spider-man where they'll address this very point i think it will be mentioned i don't think they'll carry on and ignore it but I don't see how you can invest in any other events that take place Mm. when something so much bigger was dictating all of life on Earth all this time. Yeah. 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 Basically, in one sentence, what I'm saying is you can't continue a story when you've just said for a fact God exists and he is a celestial. One more thing. This, this idea of their mission is to fight the deviants and they don't intervene in other matters. Okay, that's fine. But most of them have developed some kind of attachment to humanity and it shouldn't take the end of the world to act on that attachment, on that compassion. They should already be using their powers for good. It's really only guilt and shame that makes them act at the end to prevent the emergence and save humanity. Point number three, sorry to go on. So no, much. No, this no, is the no, last no. thing I want to say because I really hated this film. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, I mean, because I think when we've talked about Free Guy, Jungle Cruise, Venom, probably Red Notice next week, we say things like, look, it's a bit of fun, whatever. It's fine. I was entertained, yes. I was not entertained. Mm. I was not entertained, but neither did you explore these ideas in a way that made me think about them yeah you've not actually engaged with the ideas in a satisfying way and it's not entertaining so it's a total failure and you took two and a half hours from my life yeah 
three if you include trainers. So my last point, influencing human evolution. They pepper in that they're influencing technology with a, a jokey scene where Fastus, Fistus, the engineer guy, Fistus. he introduces Fistus. he introduces he introduces a, a plow and someone says, Oh, they're not ready for the combustion combustion engine yet. And there's a scene where the Eternals are blamed for the creation of the atom bomb. Did they plan the agricultural and industrial revolutions that led to massive population growth? Are fossil fuels part of every celestial's planet farming project to help civilizations develop ways to produce energy and increase the population? Because that's what fossil fuels did. Why weren't natural resources distributed evenly across the globe to allow equal and healthy development of populations? These might be too serious questions, too much thought for a comic book film, but Marvel obviously thought this was some kind of masterpiece and it takes itself at least half seriously. If you're going to say, yes, there is a God and he's a celestial, it has to make sense and it doesn't make sense. I, f- I feel overwhelmed and intellectually inferior after that rant i've got to be honest i've I've, I've, you've read so much into what happened in this film whereas i just i just switched off but i um i was so bored that i was thinking about it (laughs) i was was thinking my own thoughts and i I think that's fair um what did i do with my spare time when i wasn't really invested in this film i think i was just thinking what am i having for tea when i go home yeah, this is a very rare film where when I've gone to the toilet, I've really taken my time. I've actually just taken a very slow stroll back and forth. Well, it's a good job that all those questions that you've just posed are answered in post-credit sequences, right? Yeah. So I can summarise these at least, because the basic. So first post-credit scene, Harry Styles is in this film. That is what the big shocking moment is. That is the twist. Harry Styles. Harry Styles is here. And further to that, One Direction will be getting back together. So who saw that coming? No one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, in all seriousness, because I wanted to ask you a question on this one. So he is brought in as Eros, brother of Thanos. We all know who Thanos is. What does does he want? What's, What's going on here? Is this a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 leading or have i massively misunderstood why he's here i think guardians of the galaxy 3 is going to be about adam a gold a golden adam character not black adam because the they set up guardians of the galaxy 3 villain in guardians of the galaxy 2 i'm going to be honest with you i just i left i already knew what the scenes were i couldn't be bothered i just left and i i don't know what his plan is i think He's another Eternal, so I think the idea is that they're out to look for more Eternals, and they found one, and we'll see what happens when they've met another guy, another Eternal. So there you go. That's what happened with that one. Um, let's let's test something now. So I saw the secondary post credit sequence, but so what's the word? I think I think I just I not just switched off, but I kind of I think I'd gone into a bit of a daydream at that point, so I didn't actually absorb anything that happened. I think Kit Harrington opens a box. And he yeah, says something, yeah. but I didn't even take in the words that he was saying. So I've no idea what that was about. And ni- neither did I care. I think he says, she's my queen and I don't want it. If you know your Game of Thrones season eight criticism, you'll, you'll oh, know what it sorry. means. But it's fine. It's fine. 
that one is setting up for Moon Knight. You know Moon Knight, that beloved character that we can't wait to see, Moon Knight. And it's it's the voice of Blade who says something to him. I thought it was Samuel L. Jackson. Right, yeah. No, that you've just recalled my memory a bit there. I thought, oh, whose voice was that? Not Samuel L. Jackson's. Right, Blade. It's got too convoluted, this now. It was a really good idea to have all these different films mashed together. But I can't keep track of this. No, it's it's too big. It's outgrown itself. And I couldn't give a flying monkey anymore. Yeah. The thing is, you don't even know about the TVA, the Time Variance Authority. And that breaks the MCU in, in another way that you don't even know about. Is that the Loki? In the Loki yeah, that's the Loki thing. So it's just a mess now. Right, well, they've got an uphill battle, but I'm sure they'll find a way of digging themselves out of it. Maybe another snap, eh? We'll have another one another of them. Snap. I want to present a possible future to you. Do you know what the ultimate Marvel series was of comics? I have a feeling that I'm not a Marvel comic book fan, but I, there was a really brief period where I bought some of them, and I'm sure I bought Ultimate Spider-Man for some yes. reason. That's all I know. You will have, yeah. So Ultimate Comics was a reimagining, modernised version of familiar Marvel characters like Spider-Man, X-Men, The Avengers and Fantastic Four. And it was completely detached from the convoluted universe that had been set up in the Marvel comics. It was a, a reboot of the familiar characters just taking everything back to basics. It was very successful. It started with Ultimate Spider-Man. And it was a chance to do Spider-Man fresh, detached from all the other crap that was going on. And they did the same with X-Men because the, the, the main universe had become a mess of multiverses and timelines and space gods and things. What I'm suggesting to you now is that Spider-Man is leaving the MCU. He's going off and doing his own thing in Sony. So will the Spider-Man films, will they go off and be an ultimate Spider-Man type thing? And will they become really, really successful and popular and well-loved? Because, and maybe despite that, they're not part of the MCU. The MCU's too convoluted. It's dead. No one cares. Lost interest in the future. And people instead go to Sony Spider-Man because it's much simpler and it just delivers entertaining films that don't have the baggage of the wider universe that's that is a possible future it is a possible future and I, i'd be very interested to see it happen but there's something in my bones tells me disney is such a massive corporation i, I don't see how they can't buy this character back permanently i don't know how they don't have the money and resources to say hang on we can't let one of our most favorite characters escape us they've surely got to have a plan about this i see them just retaining it and drawing this further into the ground but <laughs> we'll see yeah well they can't they can't make sony sell him like they've already tried to do that and sony just said we're not selling him we're not idiots but maybe they'll make them an offer they can refuse that was terrible yeah Fair, fair, fair point. Well, let's let's just see what happens, eh? But, um, yeah, I'm glad that you're on the same page as me so that we can, in synchronicity, watch the uh, 
forthcoming Marvel films and give them a right good ribbon and tear them apart because I'm looking forward to that. There will be there will be exceptions to that. I think we'll both find something to like with Spider-Man. Maybe Doctor Strange will prove quite good as well. Yeah. But in terms Thor, of this Thor with Natalie Portman coming back and Taika with Titi, surely that'll be good. But apart from that, I'm not interested. Yeah. Right. Well, this is probably a longer episode than usual, which um, you know, we're just fitting in with the Eternals, I guess. So there we go. James, want to remind us what we're reviewing next week? On Netflix, Red Notice, starring Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Initial reports were, this is looking very good. Oh, reviews are out. Oh, it's good. It's really good. Oh, it's a really fun time. And then since that's been slightly dampened and it's just, it's all right. But we can only bring you our own opinions and maybe we will be pleasantly surprised. So I'm quite looking forward to it still because who doesn't want to see Gal Gadot and uh, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sticking with us, if you did. Maybe you did as James did and left as we got to spoilers uh, and credits in his circumstances. So leave us a review and racing on iTunes. You can do that to help support this podcast. You can follow us at In The Hours Podcast on Instagram or leave us any feedback at podcast at gmail.com. James, any final thoughts that may relate to the Eternals to depart upon our audience, or maybe just thoughts in general? After watching Eternals, I've decided that Nomadland is the greatest film ever made. What the hell?